Nigeria was lucky to have the DMX experience when in 2004, right after the Abuja Stadium was built, DMX gave an electrifying performance. The event was organized by the wife of the Vice President, Amina Titi Atiku Abubakar, for our organization, Women Trafficking and Child Labor Eradication Foundation, Woodcliffe. His presence on stage was nothing short of magnificent. The 60,000 capacity arena was packed out. Many people had never seen anything like it. Sami Giang, a music producer, tells us about the atmosphere in the stadium when DMX gets on stage. My God, the whole stadium was on fire. I've seen the, the, a lot of people defied security, whatever, advice that they, they have to be far away from the stage. They ran into the field to come closer to DMX, close, closer to the stage. So it was so beautiful, but unfortunately, while he was performing, there was a lot of interruptions from the audience because the police and the soldiers, most especially the police, were really harassing the audience. They kept on beating people, driving them away that they should go back to where they would sit down. And the, the audience refused already because the, the love they really have for DMX is massive. And then later on, DMX asked his DJ to stop. He stopped. And he was really angry at the police people, asking them they should allow people to come. Let them come. Let them have fun. They are already at the stadium. Why are they behaving like that? Stop the violence and all. DMX's success goes beyond music. At the height of his musical career, DMX also starred in some high-profile films alongside the likes of Jet Li in Romeo Must Die and Gabriel Union in Credit to The Grave. This is how Gabriel describes her time on set with DMX. Uh, did you know that, uh, that uh, DMX loves the Golden Girls? And that's a, fun, that's a real fun fact. Really? Mm-hmm. How do you know this? Because uh, he watches it in his trailer. There was a dog biting incident uh, with one of the PAs who was sent to go get him for set. And so after a while, nobody wanted to go get him. And so I would be sent to go get him because I'm a dog person. And he'd be like, get up, have a drink. I'm going to watch the Golden Girls. This shit is funny. Whew, sorry. Leave. Um, um, we, would, we would have a Heineken and um, sometimes a little uh, crown. And, uh, and we'd watch the Golden Girls. And he would laugh hysterically. I also had to do all of his B-roll questions um, because they were afraid of him. And so I was like, I'm not asking DMX about the cinematography. Like, I'm, you know who doesn't care about the cinematography? DMX. Despite his success as an actor, he didn't originally set out to be one. His move into acting was a way to make more money because the record labels, in his opinion, wouldn't pay him a fair share of the proceeds from his music, like he explained in this 2003 appearance in BET's 106M Park. Well, I mean, y'all gotta look at it from my point of view, you know what I'm saying? I got a family, yo, you know what I'm saying? And um, we, we as rap artists, as any type of musicians, uh -huh. you know what I'm saying? We pay for our, our recording to be done, we pay for our promotion to be done, we pay, to, we, pay to, we pay for the tours, we pay for the tour bus, we pay for the people who operate the equipment, we pay for everything. 
and we still don't get an even split from the record company. That's modern day slavery to me, dog. You mean, and I'm not with it. And DMX does make a lot of money, but he loses it too, filing for bankruptcy three times. His life, according to him, is equal parts a blessing and a curse. Growing up, his mother would abuse him, knocking off two of his teeth on one occasion. He was only six years old. His mother's boyfriend would also abuse him, hitting him on several occasions till he would run away. In an interview, he says he never had the mommy experience. I used to always turn to drugs when, you know, just I was feeling a certain way. And, and now that I'm not doing that, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Sometimes when the pressure builds up, yeah. you know, I'll call. I'll call, you know, Bino and be like, that's all I said. I just wanted to say, I wanted to say, mommy. Not once, not once. Not once she ever, that she ever told me that she loved me. <laughs> He's also introduced to drugs and music at the early age of 14 by his mentor. This guy he introduced me to what would be the best part of my life, which would be the rap. And the curse aspect of it was, um, let's say I was, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't smoke cigarettes, I didn't smoke weed, I didn't, I didn't do, I didn't do anything. I'm 14 years old, and um, me and my man used to do a robbery one night, and it was his birthday, and we came back, we we spent the money. I said, hey, you know, take this. Go get something nice for your birthday, whatever. Hmm. So he came back with a rolled up. And as I'm counting the money, he likes And I said, I, I was impressed. I don't really smoke. And he passed it around. And, um, wow. Hmm. Why would you do that to a child? Right. And this nigga, like, like, like 30, you know what I'm saying? And he knew how I looked up to him. This changes the course of his life. Starting in music so young, shuttling between the streets and the Salvation Army shelter in New York City, DMX quickly realizes his gift as a writer with the help of an old friend, Red Iron, whom he refers to as a mentor. But the rapper does not fully dedicate himself to his craft until his imprisonment for carjacking in 1988. While in prison, he meets famous rapper K Solo, with whom he would rap and learn to beatbox. It would eventually leave jail in the summer of 1988. It starts rapping over instruments by other rappers and selling the tapes on the street corners across his neighborhood. In no time, he earns some following. In 1992, four years after his release from jail, he signs a record deal with Rough House Records, a subsidiary of Columbia Records, where he releases his debut single, Born Loser. But it isn't until 1996, upon moving to Def Jam Records, that he releases a debut major label single. Off his first major label's album, It's Dark and Hell Is Not. The single goes on to RIAA certified gold status and that is when his career blossoms. The album debuts at number one on the Billboard 200 charts in the US and sells over 5 million copies. His second album, Flesh of My Flesh, Blood of My Blood, 
debuts at number one on the Billboard 200 and goes multi-platinum. In 1999, he releases his most successful album. And then there was X, which has the popular song Party Up In Here. The album goes six times platinum and is nominated for Best Rap Album at the 2001 Grammy Awards. He releases several other albums after those, but they are not as successful as his previous ones. He remains the only musical artist in history to release five consecutive albums, his entire album catalog at the time that debuts at number one. Across the world, DMX's popularity grows in leap and bounds, and his influence on hip-hop is global. This is how Andy Bello, a television producer and record label owner based in Benin City, describes the first time he hears a DMX song. The first time I heard a DMX song, uh, it was actually uh, Rough Riders Anthem. It was at a birthday party while I was in school um, in Ekboma, Ambrasali University, Ekboma to be precise. And um, it, 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 it came like uh, a bolt of lightning, hearing that song, hearing that intro. It was something different. It was just like the first time I heard uh, Paid in Full by Arabian Rakim. Over his lifetime, he's in and out of jail, 30 times for several offenses ranging from failing to pay child support to robbery, driving under the influence, drug procession, and even cruelty to animals which is a big paradox because he used to rescue dogs. Throughout his life, he continues to search for help for his drug addiction going in and out of rehab. This drug of drugs is one he speaks about openly. Um, it, just because you stop getting high doesn't mean that you don't have the problem because it's a constant fight every day. Every trigger that was a, tr you know, was a trigger when you got, it's still a trigger. Whether you act on it or not, it's something different. But I will always, until I die, I will always have a drug problem. Last Friday, doctors take DMX off life support, saying his organs had failed after he suffered a massive heart attack and went into a coma from a drug overdose. Different people like DMX for different reasons. Some say it is his music, others his acting. For yet another group, it is his relatability. Even the religious have a reason to love DMX who held public prayer sessions during some of his later day performance. The word says, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. The word doesn't say that the weapon won't be formed. The word doesn't say that the intention of the weapon maker won't be to harm you. The word doesn't say that they won't attempt to use it. The word says, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. So no matter what they think, no matter what they make, no matter what they try, by the power of the word, we are covered. We humble ourselves before you. We praise your name and give you the glory. We praise your name and give you the glory. We praise your name and give you the glory. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. No doubt, many will be praying that he finds the peace that eluded him in life, in death. Rest in peace, DMX.